It's episode 93 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Before we move on with the show, I have a great offer to share with you all coming from our friends over at ButcherBox. As most of you know by now, ButcherBox is the go-to source for the highest quality, best tasting meat sourced from happy, healthy animals. And I think we're all aware by now how important that is. For me, it's the only meat I'll eat because it's the only meat I trust these days. Even the meat at the grocery store nowadays that's labeled grass-fed isn't enough for me because many times that cow was still fed grains to fatten him up and they don't have to put it on the label. Cows are not meant to eat grains ever. This causes them to be really sick They store toxins in their fat, and then we eat it, and it makes us toxic as well. None of this funny business happens with butcher box meat. Their beef is 100% grass-fed, grass-finished. Their pork is heritage breed pork, and their chicken is pasture-raised, which is pretty much impossible to find at a grocery store, yet so important. In order for a chicken to be truly healthy, it needs space to roam and feed off of its natural habitat. This does not happen with mass-produced chicken that most of us are eating today, and that's what's being sold to us. As you can see, I'm super passionate about this topic, the quality of meat I eat and the quality of meat I recommend you eat, and so is ButcherBox. If you haven't already made the switch to better meat and you feel like now is a good time, Go to butcherbox.com slash KFW and get a really great deal. And of course, for the month of March, ButcherBox has come out with another amazing deal. This month, March 2019, you can get two pounds of ground beef in every single box you get from ButcherBox for the rest of your life. I love when they do this offer. Such a good deal. If you're anything like me, you live off of ground beef. And so to have two pounds free every single time you order from ButcherBox, that's pretty cool. Plus, they're giving you 20 bucks off just because. $20 off your first order plus free ground beef for life. Head to butcherbox.com slash KFW. That's butcherbox.com slash KFW this month, the month of March 2019 to get two pounds of free ground beef in every single box for your lifetime plus $20 off. Hey, hey, friends, welcome back. Thanks as always for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. We are going into our second installment of the Keto Hot Seat episode with the focus on not losing weight while following a keto diet, taking all of your questions. We'll get to those in just a minute. There's some good ones. You're going to love it. Few announcements first. The big one. It's a big announcement. For the first time in my four plus years of podcasting, almost two here on the Keto for Women show, I'm going to take a little break from podcasting. 
for just a few weeks. You won't even know I'm gone, but I think it's going to be a really great thing for my brain and my health and also for the podcast because it's going to give me some time to plan out and prepare and make sure the next 100 episodes of the Keto for Women show are everything and more. That will be episode 95 through 99, and I'll be back for the special 100th episode of the Keto for Women show. Now, while I am gone, this actually happens at the perfect time because I have five of my very favorite, the best of Keto for Women episodes that have happened over the past 100 episodes that I want to replay for you guys. And yeah, there's probably a good chance you've already listened to these episodes. However, I think if any of you have re-listened to any podcast episodes, you know how much more you get or what you notice, what you pick up up on when you do repeat episodes. So we're going to do that. You're going to have a chance to re-listen to not only what I think are the best episodes of the Keto for Women show, but also what you guys have told me based on downloads and based on reposts and all that good stuff that are your favorite episodes. We're going to go back through those. There are some from the very, very beginning. There are some that have happened in the past few months. Regardless, I think it will be a great time for you all to go back through and re-listen and reignite what you're doing here as far as being keto, as far as learning a keto lifestyle, learning how to eat intuitively, tapping into your body and your intuition and learning more about your own health and your health goals and furthering that. So that's coming up. I'll have a few more episodes, of course, today's and then next week's before we get into that. So don't worry, I'll remind you. And then we'll be back for Lucky 100 and have some good stuff for you for the following 100 episodes. And then the only other thing I want to share today is just a reminder. I actually don't know if I've told you this yet or not, but Letting you know, I did write a whole blog post about how I managed my keto diet, I guess you'd say my keto lifestyle, while I spent three weeks in Hawaii. Did I stay keto or not? You have to read to find out. And more importantly, I really spent a lot of time in this blog post talking about how you truly can have a balance, not just when you're traveling, although I think that comes up a lot in our lives and wondering what to do or how to approach a diet change while we're away from home, but just really in everyday life, how you truly can have a balance and manage it and not go off the rails one way or the other, not stay super strict. You can do it all and you can enjoy yourself and stay focused on your health goals all at the same time, which, spoiler alert, that's what I did while I was in Hawaii. And I want to make sure I was able to share my mentality around that. Plus, if you actually have been to Hawaii or are ever going to go to Hawaii, everywhere that I ate, everywhere that I shopped, all the snacks I brought along, what I was able to find there and keto-friendly options for restaurants and, and all that good stuff there too. So if you're going to Kauai or Maui anytime in the future, check out the post and save it for when you get closer to your vacation because you'll want to go to the places that I went to. We had some really great food. All right. Enough about me. Kristen. Yip yapping over there. I, as usual. <laughs> What's up? Three episodes in. I already get a break, huh? You're really lucky. I know. I'm a really nice boss. This is hard. <laughs> hard work I talking mean, to everybody 
all day, every day. Or just for an hour. Once a week. Once a month, Once really, a month, you. yeah. So it is, though. Not, you need a break. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's keep good. Keep those vocal cords in check while we're gone. Well, I will keep them primed. But you know me. I support getting organized and planning. Yes. You that's, are very much a planner. Tell me, are you recovered from our Expo West adventure? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't think I am <laughs> fully yet. I got so sick. Yes. And I'm just now... I think today is the first day where I'm not hacking my brains out. Yeah. If we would have recorded this yesterday, it would have been a snot fest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nasally to the max. Yeah. That was quite an adventure. And it really took a toll on our bodies, I think, between having to travel so much and doing so much in one day and being in a really gross Airbnb for a night. That was horrific. But yeah, I mean, I we did something that normally takes people probably three full days. We did in one. So it was a long day. If you don't remember or haven't checked it out yet, Expo West is the largest natural products trade show ever of all time. And there are multiple convention floors, multiple buildings. Everybody who's anybody is there if you have a natural products or even if you don't and you just want to say you do, you're also there. And so we covered 8.3 miles of indoor convention center booths in one day. It was rough. And we didn't even have comfy clothes on. We made footwear mistakes. We did. Things to learn for next year at Expo West. We did want to take a little bit of time here at the beginning of this episode to just talk about what we found because we know all of you are super into healthy products and finding some really good convenience foods that you can actually trust and enjoy and know they're not actually harming your health in the process. And that's really the reason why we went because not only are we looking for that as consumers ourselves, but also because I want to help you find that stuff too and to help you make the best decisions out there and know what's out there and what to stay away from. And really, I think that was kind of the biggest takeaway for both of us is how much out there we need to stay away from. Yeah, it's really sad, but it's also really exciting. So many new cool products coming out that are doing things the right way. Yeah, you just have to kind of know how to sift through that. And it's all about reading the labels. And of course, as Keto for Womeners, we already know that we already do that. But let this be yet another reminder, because even there at the show, there are all kinds of marketing gimmicks, I guess, going on. They're using their marketing strategies to the core and marketing things as being no sugar added, keto friendly, sugar free. And then you turn around and I guess, yes, technically there is no processed white cane sugar added, but there are a ton of sugar free sweeteners added. Like in every product that I looked at that was a keto product in They were all kind of like keto desserts, I guess. Every single one had multiple forms of a sugar-free sweetener. So it would be erythritol and stevia and monk fruit all in one tiny little cookie. 
It was a learning experience for me to learn more about the food scientists who concoct all these things. And they're basically hacking the nutrition label to look a certain way to fit into a certain macro or a diet or whatever. And yeah, they're using these lab-based, you know, sugar alcohols or sugar-free sweeteners to make something appear as though it is sugar-free. And I guess technically it is, but they taste so sweet. Yeah, like disgustingly sweet. And just a reminder, as we all know, and you know how I feel about this, but regardless of how many grams of sugar a keto or non-keto dessert has, it's still a dessert. And the same thing happened when paleo was popular. It's like then everybody started making all these paleo treats and having a paleo brownie or a paleo cookie every day. And that means you're still having a dessert every single day. And is that something that you would do if you were actually trying to gain health and working on your health? You wouldn't have a dessert every single day. And just because there aren't actual sugar grams on the label, that doesn't mean that your body knows that. Yeah, I think we'll start to see in the coming years the difference between uh, like a physiological response, like a blood sugar response versus a brain response to Mm -hmm. sweetness and what that's doing to our brains and bodies. So yeah, that's another thing that I find very interesting and that I, again, I'm not saying whether you should or shouldn't eat these products. I'm just providing information. And I think one thing we all have to remember too, is there are no long-term studies on these products. There's no way to know what these products that are made in a lab or by doing tons and tons and tons of processing to corn or whatever it may be. There's no way to know what this is going to do to our bodies and our health in 5, 10, 20 years because there's nothing to show that it's safe or that it's not safe. So that's something where I always get a little bit hesitant is I don't really want to put things in my body that I don't know what's going to happen down the road. Yeah. Any other notable trends? I think the biggest thing, and that's what I said to you, was I don't think this expo would even be in existence if nuts weren't involved. If we didn't eat nuts or if nuts were suddenly found to be terrible for us, there would be no Expo West. It was (laughs) the vast, vast, vast majority of products were, you know, nut-based desserts, granolas, snack mixes, milks, just like everything. I have to say us North Americans, we love our crunchy snacks. Yes. Every other booth was some sort of a crunchy snack. And there were a lot of really delicious ones. There were some really great grain-free granolas that I hadn't seen before uh, and got to try those. A little bit higher in sugar than we would probably normally have, but a decent treat. Even creamers, everything was nut-based. And I really like that. I don't eat nuts a whole lot because of, you know, kind of overconsumption makes my digestion unhappy when it comes to nuts. And that's something I've realized within the past few years. But it's nice to have those options and to see the move away from dairy products and, you know, sugar laden products and things like that. So I thought that was really cool. What did you find interesting? Oh, as we suspected, CBD galore, mm-hmm. CBD drinks, CBD infused into snack bars and brownies, everything like, under the sun. I mean, it is really cool. And there is so much research coming out about the benefits of using CBD and even just anecdotal stories of things just being cured 
by using CBD. So I do think that there is a reason for it. But of course, as with everything, it becomes this trend and it starts really taking off and you can't go two feet without seeing it. But it's cool. And I think it has some good merit. And I personally really like the idea of using it to better your health. So it's something I would like to explore more for myself and to find some brands that I trust to help the listeners too. Yeah, yeah. I definitely noticed a lot more innovation on the plant-based front. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a move away from the word vegan Mm -hmm. and very much to this more plant-based product. And then soy-free has Mm -hmm. become a thing label-wise. You know, it was like fat-free in the 90s and then gluten-free became the thing. And now you're starting to see a lot of products labeling soy-free. There's such a hatred towards soy, especially in the plant-based community. Yeah. And I feel like that's pretty new. That was not even the case, I'd say, a year ago that vegan companies were focusing on soy-free. So that's really interesting. And I think a really cool move in the plant-based world to at least get away from eating all the soy. That's going to help the case. Yeah. I mean, they're shifting, it seems, towards pea protein, which comes with its own set of problems. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty bitter substance. So then I found that they're having to sweeten things to try to mask the gritty, bitter taste of pea protein. But what else? I'd say gluten-free still reigns supreme. It was really actually quite strange to see a bread booth or a pasta booth mm-hmm. there. Almost everything was gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Nut butters, everything Tons nut butters. Tons of nut butters. Everything nut butters. Actually, giving you a little bit of a clue in as to what we're doing, there will be an almond butter taste test. We're having a taste off Kristen and I, and we're going to post a blog post about it. So that will be coming up because there are so many out there nowadays. You can't even decide which one to go with. So we're going to give our two cents, base a whole lineup of nut butters, I guess, almond butters out there and see which one we like. Can they really be that different? We'll find True. out. I know. I don't mm-hmm. know. I kind of think they can be actually. Lots of cold brews and coffees. Mm -hmm. I think that's a trend too. My favorite thing, this saved my butt because I was coming down with a horrible cold, of course, the day we got there. But these unsweetened functional drink shots, Mm -hmm. there were tons of these things and most of them were ginger based. Mm -hmm. So they're like these little, little teeny bottles and they each have some sort of a function, focus, immunity, calm. Energy. Energy, yeah. So they were had different types of ingredients in them. They were all super clean, very fresh, cold-pressed. And I, just every other booth that I got to, I'd take a shot of one of their immunity ones. Yeah, and they were really strong, but they didn't taste bad. It was no. definitely very gingery, very spicy, but it was good. It tasted good. It like, tasted like it was helping your body. Yeah, and I felt a difference. I felt refreshed and more awake because, you know, inside of a room for however many hours and you don't get fresh air or sunlight and you start to get really tired and drowsy. And every time I took one of those things, I felt wide awake and peppy. Yeah, it was definitely the year of wellness drinks, I would say. But anyway, what we want to share with you all, like I said, is just to read your labels just because something is said to be gluten-free or sugar-free, grain-free doesn't mean it's still something that you should consume. There are so many ingredients that are very vague. There very much is a gray area in this ingredient list, I would say. And Kristen even called some people out and asked why they were using these random gums or powders. What was it? Maltodextrin. Yeah, why they were using that. And they had some sort of vague answer. So you don't have to consume that stuff. There is a way around it. One brand that we know that is still doing it right 
is Epic. We talked to them. They have some really good new products coming out, I believe, in the spring or summer. Look for those. There's a a morning breakfast bar, some different flavors of pork rinds that were really good. So that was one that really stood out as still doing it right. Just read those labels and you'll be able to find those brands that are maintaining their black and white status and not verging into this gray area ingredient list. They're out there. You just got to make sure to keep looking. All right. Are we ready for some questions? Let's move it right along. Round two of the why am I not losing weight while being keto listener Q&A. Let's jump in. Man, so many good questions. All right. So first up, we have Ani. I gained weight on keto and then had my genes tested. Turns out I have all the fat genes. Don't tolerate saturated fats, absorb more fat from food than the average person, etc. But also I'm predisposed to diabetes and obesity. The recommendation was to eat a low glycemic index, low fat Mediterranean diet. But I loved how I felt when I was in ketosis. But I was gaining weight and my cholesterol went through the roof. So my question is, do you think I can still do keto even with these genes? Or is the diet just not suitable for everybody? I did a podcast episode about this not too long ago, and these genes, the APOE genes, go back and listen to that. It will give you more details about what it actually means. I'll make sure to link to that episode in the show notes. But what I want to address here is the diet just not suitable for everybody. And for me, the answer is vague. It could be, it could not be. And of course, you all know that I think the keto diet is great for many, many, many people, even as just a jumpstart into eating a real food diet and learning more about what a healthy lifestyle looks like for you. But there is also the case where people try keto, and Kristen is a great example of this, And some things get better, but some things get worse. And I talked about this in the episode about how long should you do keto? Because if things aren't going well, for instance, your cholesterol gets way, way high, you continue to gain weight no matter what you do, then maybe it's not the right time. Maybe you need to kind of tweak some things in your diet, maybe more protein, less fat, more carbs, less carbs etc. But there is the case where it might not be the right time. I'm not going to be the person to say that every single person should be doing keto forever right now for the rest of their lives and not look at these other factors. Because if there are some other things going on, then you need to look at that. And especially if they changed while introducing a ketogenic diet, your cholesterol went up, you started gaining weight, and you know that you have this gene that makes it harder for your body to process fats. In that case, I think that keto definitely still could be a thing for you to do in order to get things balanced out, but it might look different than your neighbor that's doing keto. Maybe it is lower in fat. There definitely needs to be a good variety of fats. That is by far my biggest recommendation for those that have these genes is to make sure you're getting a good variety of fats. They cannot all come from saturated fats like butter, coconut oil, bacon, heavy whipping cream. You've got to get in the avocados, avocado oil, the olives, olive oil, the nuts and seeds and nut butters. Really get a good variety every single day. That's going to help this a lot. So that's my biggest 
tip for those that have this gene. No, it does not need to be a Mediterranean, low fat, low carb, low everything diet, but you may need to go lower in fat than you currently are. You have to tweak it and you really should be keeping an eye on your cholesterol, getting that tested once every three months, I would say, to make sure it's heading in the right direction as you tweak. And if you're continuing to tweak and continuing to monitor and things don't improve, then maybe that's a sign that, yeah, you do need to take a break from keto, just move to a real food diet and go from there, see how that goes, and then you can kind of reevaluate in the future. Sounds good. Sounds great. All right. Next up, Francis. Hello, Sean. Really enjoy your way of handling keto. I am 50 years old and I suppose dealing with hormonal change. I began my keto journey in October and only lost two pounds. Blood test is between 0.4 and 2.5. Work out almost every day. I decided to cut my macros with the app Carb Manager. My energy is great. I work out only with electrolytes except once a week, which I bike ride for 100 or more kilometers. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know if my body is healing something, but I thought I was healthy before beginning. Everybody you know is losing some sort of weight. Should I do something different? I eat vegetables and good fat. Try to stay away from fried food. I think she's doing a great job. Really, it sounds kind of amazing. I mean, honestly, just looking at this, I would say you may want to go back to my episode, Are You Ketoing Too Hard? And look at that because you might be just kind of overthinking all of this and just it's causing some stress. It's causing you to think a little bit more about your food and your carbs and your this and your that a little too much and not focusing on how much you can and should be enjoying life. So that's just a side note. But one thing that I do see is that you're 50 years old and you think you're dealing with a hormonal change, which you most likely are. You're going through the change of menopause, I'm assuming that since you're assuming you have a hormonal change, you've experienced some maybe lack of periods or changes in your periods, that kind of thing, which would be the clue when you're 50 years old that something's going on. And the thing about that is menopause is a huge change in your hormones. Like your hormones are doing something different pretty much every day. Your estrogen goes up and down. Your progesterone goes up and down. Every single day is very different. It's also something that your body has never seen happen either. It's a very different trend than the usual cycle that our hormones go through when we are cycling females. So I want so badly for those women going through menopause to give their bodies a little bit of grace during that time because it's a hard thing. It's a hard transition for your body. There's a lot going on there. And we all know that our hormones dictate most of what goes on and how we feel and how we look. It's just the way it is. We are just lucky in that way, I guess. And so I just want you to experience that grace and flexibility and patience with your own body too. let your body figure out the hormone situation. Honestly, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but a lot of times that hormonal fluctuation that happens around that stage of life does cause weight gain. It just does. I wish it 
didn't have to be that way. To be honest, I don't know the full physiological reason why that happens other than your hormones basically tank. They're not gone entirely, but they are very much swinging in all directions. And ideally, our adrenals have the capacity to pick that up. What is supposed to happen in a menopausal situation is when our ovaries tap out, our adrenals take over and continue to produce the hormones necessary. However, most of us go into the menopausal stage of life having adrenal issues already and they can't quite keep up or be able to produce the hormones necessary during that stage. So that's what we're dealing with in that situation. And that could be the reason why you are experiencing issues with gaining weight or not losing weight while doing what seems to be everything right and doing everything the same as everybody else. And that's the one other thing I want to touch on with this question is you've got to quit comparing yourself to everybody. You have to focus on what's going on in your own life, with your own body, with your own hormones, your own stage of life. And that goes for every single female out there. It is so hard to not get into that comparison trap and even harder to get out once you're in it. But you have to. If that means unfollowing people, not looking at social media as much, do it. Do what you can to keep your eyes on your own paper and life changes dramatically. I'm going to compare myself to Francis, and I'm going to say I do not ride my bike 100 kilometers. (laughs) That's crazy. Once a week. That's awesome. That's great. Did you snoop at her Instagram? No. She crushing it? Crushing it. Francis, you're crushing it. So sounds like you're crushing it and you don't have anything to worry about, but to just enjoy life. Enjoy that 100 kilometer bike ride you're doing once a week. Enjoy all of the outdoor activities you're doing and how good you're feeling and Don't worry about it. Just don't forget to pat yourself on the back. 50 years old, works out almost every day, eats healthy. Bravo. That's all I have to say. Yep. There's many women not doing that. Yeah. Before we get any further into this episode, I want to take a quick break to shout out our friends over at Artisana Organics because guess what? They are coming out with a brand new nut butter line called Clean Keto, and they are absolutely phenomenal. You guys are going to love these things. The best part, they actually live up to the label. They are truly clean keto products with only the best high quality ingredients. As of now, there are two different varieties. One is a Brazil nut and hemp blend, which is my personal favorite, and the other is a macadamia and coconut blend, also delicious. As you all know, Artisana really sticks out to me as someone who is doing it right in the nut butter space. They use only organic, raw, properly sourced nuts. They don't add any additional fillers or oils to their products, and they taste so, so good. You can actually taste the quality with every spoonful of nut butter. My recommendation here would be to top off your favorite super dark chocolate with either one of these clean keto nut butters, or you could try adding them to your yogurt, smoothies, chia seed pudding, something like that too. And of course, you cannot go wrong with just grabbing a spoon and taking it straight from the jar. 
The Keto for Women squad is the first to know about these new nut butters from Artisana, and you ladies will be the first to get your hands on them. In order to do so, make sure you head over to artisanaorganics.com and pre-order your new clean keto nut butters. Use code KETO, the number four women, to get 15% off your online order. That's artisanaorganics.com and use coupon code KETO, the number four women, for 15% off your order. I cannot wait for you guys to try these new nut butters. And a special thank you, of course, to Artisana for helping this episode of the Keto for Women show come to air. Next? Yeah. All right. Tiffany's up next. I've been dairy-free keto since October 2015 and always struggled with the last 10 pounds. I'm at 30% body fat, so there's definitely something to lose there. I'm 47, work out moderately daily, no stress, sleep great. I only drink tea and sparkling water. I don't eat processed foods except for lint 99% chocolate bars. I intermittent fast about 16 hours daily and love it. I've tried eating more and eating less. The only way I've been able to lose the weight is by keeping my calories at or below 1,200. Please tell me why. All right, let's unpack this a little bit. First of all, I just want to make sure that Tiffany knows and that everybody knows that 30% body fat for a female is completely normal, really healthy. So if that's where you are and you're comfortable, then more power to you. It sounds like Tiffany is not and she wants to change that. And she also wants to lose the last 10 pounds to get to a you know, more comfortable, more ideal body composition for her. What I would suggest is instead of focusing on those last 10 pounds, focus on that body fat percentage. Because when you are losing 10 pounds, there's a really good chance that you're going to stay at 30% body fat or really, really close to that. When we focus instead on gaining muscle and not worry so much about that scale, then that's when we really see not only changes, obviously, in our body fat composition, that percentage, but also how you look and how you fit into clothes and how you feel about yourself and how strong you feel and how much fun it is to work out. And that really is what we want. We want that happiness factor. So I know you're working out at a moderate intensity. I would suggest mixing that up, especially it sounds like you're feeling really good, not a lot of stress, things are going well. So then you should be at the capacity to be able to have some high intensity workouts a couple times a week, make sure it involves lifting heavy things and get your heart rate up really challenge yourself. Get to like an eight or nine on a scale of one to 10, where 10 being the most intensity, like you feel like you're going to pass out or like not be able to lift that thing. Get to an eight or a nine a few times a week. There's nothing wrong with that. If your adrenals are primed to handle that and your health status is cool with that, then go for it. That will be the thing that improves that 30% body fat. And you probably won't even care about those 10 pounds at that point because you're going to feel so good and strong and notice those changes in your body. But that could potentially happen too. The other thing I want to mention here is the no stress situation because I don't know, Kristen, do you know anybody that has no stress? My cat? Your cat really does not have any stress. That is correct. But But human beings? No, I don't know a human being that doesn't have any. Even my grandmother is stressed about stuff. Yeah, it's true. And so I just want to point that out, not because I think she's lying or anything like that, but it's more so because 
even though we don't think we have stress, it doesn't mean we don't have stress or that our body thinks we are not stressed. Simple things that we consider to be our stress things like our work, our home life, the traffic, things that really bug us, that's one thing. And so if you don't have that, that's cool. You're doing great. But there are lots of other things that our bodies perceive as stress and that will cause an adrenal response that we don't even think of. Even just the fact that she wants to lose 10 pounds and it's not happening is stressful. Yeah, totally. I actually just read an article this morning that computer screens or blue light stuff actually causes a stress response in the body. Right. So it's just like being at work, staring at our computers all day. Our bodies are on high alert. And I just did an episode all about EMFs and Mm -hmm. how stressful Mm -hmm. that is on the body. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with the things that you can consider as stress. You've got to think of the whole picture. So that's the only other thing that I would say to anyone. If you think everything is going right, you're doing everything right, you're diet is perfect, your workouts are perfect, your life is perfect, I would still challenge you to find out more, to really make sure that that stress response isn't taking a toll on your body. Because that really is one of the biggest reasons I see that women continue to hold on to extra weight or extra body fat is this cortisol response and subsequent hormonal imbalances that happen down the line from that adrenal response. So if you really, really are concerned and you want to try to get to the bottom of this, Get that tested. See what's going on with your adrenals and see what's going on with your hormones. And you'll have a lot more information to work on. Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Shall we? Yeah. Let's move on. Okay, cool. Next, we have Ashley. Hi, Sean. Love being inspired by your podcast weekly. I started my new lifestyle with keto this past November. Within the first two weeks, I lost 10 pounds and plateaued for two months. Then this past month, lost another three to four pounds. I've tried to cut some of the dairy out of my diet because it doesn't seem to agree with me. But other than that, I don't test. I eat intuitively and I feel wonderful. I have IBS and my gut has never felt so great. I'm not sure why I've plateaued again on the weight loss. I've recently started working out three times a week, get my carbs from veggies only and the occasional sweet potato. I try not focusing so much on the weight loss since I'm feeling great, but of course, I'd love to keep slimming down. Any suggestions? Thanks for all your positivity. And we actually had a follow-up. Someone else said, oh, great question. I'm in the exact same place. So I knew I had to do the two for one here. First thing, before we get into this question, Kristen and I were chatting before we hit record, and I want to talk about this, is what does it actually mean when they plateau? Like everyone's saying they plateau. What qualifies a plateau in your mind might be different than what qualifies a plateau in our minds. I mean, I would say months would be considered a plateau, like three to six months. If you're stuck in the same weight, doing everything, mixing up what you need to mix up, tweaking what you need to tweak, and things aren't changing, I would maybe consider that a plateau. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, so Ashley mentioned she plateaued for about two months. We got a lot of questions about plateaus. And I do really think for some people, it's like, "Ah, I haven't lost any weight in two to three weeks or Mm -hmm. something like that. And it's like, "Mm, I don't I don't consider that a plateau. I'd say months. 
of like stagnation. Yes. When you're doing everything quote unquote right or putting in the effort or whatnot. Yeah. And for Ashley to consider the two months at plateau, I don't really consider that a plateau. I consider that normal, healthy weight loss. It is never going to be a daily or even weekly loss when you're doing it the right way, the healthy way for your body. There are always going to be times where you stay the same. There are going to be times of weight loss. It's never a straight line down ever. So the two months is just your body recalibrating itself, making sure everything is going well, making sure it stays safe. Remember, the main goal of your body is to keep you safe. So it really wants to make sure that everything that's going on, this weight loss that's happening is from a safe place. That's how I consider plateaus. You know, if it gets to be months and months, then yeah, there's some tweaking that needs to be done. Well, we and we've talked about this before, but context matters and it really depends on each individual person and their history, their diet history, their health history. If they're coming off of um, years and years of standard American diet, they have a host of health problems they're trying to work through, then I would suspect it would take months and months and months to perhaps get out of a quote unquote plateau. The first, you know, first making a major change, you're going to have the inflammation flush and, and getting out a lot of that bloat. But then from there on out, it's really your body repairing at that point. And then once it gets to a healthy, safe place, it will then feel okay enough and safe enough to start shedding some body fat. Yeah. Even another way that you can consider these quote unquote plateaus is just kind of having another rung on the ladder balance itself out. So say we have four or five things that we're working on that are maybe out of balance with our health or what we have done in the past, our metabolism, things like that. And as things fall into place and heal themselves, you get to kind of tick off another checkbox, which means your body sheds a little more and then it's going to work on something else and then it's going to shed a little more. It's going to work on something else. So that's how I want people to think about plateaus. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean you need to tweak that many more things. It just means you need to be patient and let your body continue to do what it's already doing for you. And in the case with this question, there's so much going on that is really, really great stuff. And you're doing a lot of the things that you do need to do to heal. It's just going to take some time. You feel great. And of course, you all know I'm going to say, just focus on that. Focus on how good you feel. You have so much going for you right now. And that is only going to help the situation if you can kind of take a step back from this question of the plateaus and just really celebrate how good you're feeling. Of course, I will still give you some things to think about because that's my job here when you ask me a question. My first thing will always be, how did you approach keto when you did lose those initial pounds? If it was through restriction and calorie control, then it may be kind of backfiring at that point. And I don't say this necessarily for Ashley, just for anybody who started out keto in a very restrictive place your metabolism will eventually rebound. And that is often the case for the losing initially and then either plateauing or gaining it back. So keep that in mind. The next thing, you have cut out some dairy, but not all. And if you listened to my episode last week, you may now be inclined to cut out all at least for a while and see how you do with that. 
Another tip would be focusing on muscle gain again, same as the question from before. Instead of just, you know, moving your body is great, of course, but if you're in a plateau and you really want to see things change, mix up your workouts, make sure you're lifting heavy things, challenge your body, get to that intensity level if you feel up for it and see how you do with that. You had IBS and came from a past of having gut issues and Yay for keto helping with that. That's one of the coolest things about keto, helping women with their gut health issues. But look deeper into that because that could be stalling your progress as far as completely healing your body. IBS is a very broad term that can mean any number of things going on with your gut. But looking into that deeper, if that continues or if you want to truly get to the bottom of your plateaus or your inability to feel totally 100% amazing, could definitely still be some gut health issues going on there with the IBS in the past. And the last thing is just to be patient and, like I said, really focus on how good you're feeling. Give the need or the desire to lose weight just a little bit of a rest, not forever. I'm not going to tell you that it's not okay to want to lose weight, but just give it a break for a little bit and celebrate how far you've come, how good you feel, everything that's going right, and then you can look to the future to acknowledge the weight loss then. Let's move on to Ati. I hope I'm saying that right. Ati. Ati. I am 60 years old. I've been on keto since October 2018 and have only lost 15 pounds. My blood test results show I have prediabetes, high cholesterol at 256, high LDL at 156, and A1C at 6.1. My weight loss was just on the first month of my keto diet. I'm very nervous to be prediabetic. What do you suggest to break my plateau? Is a keto diet suitable to cure my prediabetes? You know there's something wrong with a community when there is a 15-pound weight loss in three months and that's still not good enough. Like, And it's not Atty's fault. It's what is displayed or shown to be normal in the keto community as far as weight loss goes to where if we don't lose like 30, 40, 50 pounds in a month, we think something's wrong with what we're doing. Well, keto or like weight loss in general. Yeah, I guess it is even just weight loss in general these days. Weight Watchers, who knows what other else is out there as far as diets these days. But yeah, it's just the weight loss stigma it's like it's never good enough. And I just want to tell Addie, again, not her fault, but you are doing great. Like that's a really great thing to see. That is uh, weight loss, good healthy weight loss that is most likely coming because your blood sugar is getting reset. It is healing. So cheers to that, I would say. And don't worry too much about wanting it to be more or trying to get more right away. What I do want you to focus on instead, and this is the case for Anybody and everybody who has some sort of blood sugar imbalance, whether your HbA1c is high or hopefully you can get tested for your fasting insulin, and if that is high, that needs to be your main concern well before you worry about weight loss because I can tell you it is nearly impossible to lose healthy weight if your blood sugar is out of whack, especially if you have high insulin. And I did this test in my Better Blood Sugar project. There were so many women that had no idea their insulin was high because their HbA1c was even fine. Their fasting glucose was fine, but that's not the whole picture. 
the insulin is is probably the most important tool for all of us to determine what's going on with our blood sugar. So because you have an A1C that is on the higher range for sure and something you want to definitely work to lower, And without knowing your insulin readings, I would assume it's probably a little bit high as well, although always great to get that tested if you can from your doctor. You have some other stuff to deal with first that's way more important than the number on the scale right now. So instead of worrying about breaking your plateau, I want you to focus on getting those blood sugar numbers down and then see what happens once you do that what happens with your weight. I want to make sure you all understand that weight loss does not equal a balanced blood sugar. So just because you lose weight does not mean that your blood sugar is great and awesome and perfect all of a sudden. We've got to kind of address each one separately and the blood sugar has to come first. Love it. Yeah. Love it. The good news about prediabetes is it's not full-on type 2 diabetes. That's true. So she's doing the right thing right now to make sure it doesn't get further out of hand down the road. So really doing great work already. Just keep focusing on that. Moving on to Julie's question. I've stagnated on fat loss and I've gone up in body fat. I've tried intermittent fasting and carnivore and both seem to really spike my fasting blood glucose and also hold weight. Suggestions? I'm relatively lean with 19% body fat and weigh about 133. I'm a little more worried about an increase in blood glucose with intermittent fasting. I'd really like to try more intermittent fasting, but my body seems to freak out. Is this my body's way of saying that I'm at the weight it wants to be? Good question. And really, the big answer here is anytime your body freaks out in any way, that is a sign to not do that thing. It's very easy. It's a very clear sign. It's probably the best way for us to be intuitive with what we do for our health and don't do for our health. Your body is seeing fasting and carnivore and all these other tricks as a stressor, which means it's not the right time to do these things. Go back to doing what feels good, what was working for you, and maybe you can try this down the road if you can figure out the stress situation, how your cortisol is doing, get that back in alignment, and maybe there will be another time for this intermittent fasting or carnivore experiments to work, but now is not the time. So go back to doing what you're doing and you'll feel great. Well, I'm kind of curious. Julie says she wants to try more intermittent fasting. I'm kind of curious why. If her body's freaking out, like why is she so interested in doing more of it? Maybe it makes her feel good, but then it, but her body's freaking out. So I don't know. What is the appeal here? Right. And her question at the end is, is this my body's way of saying that I'm at the weight it wants to be and not, is this my body's way of saying it doesn't like intermittent fasting? Like two very different questions. Two very different questions. But it makes it seem like weight, body fat composition is the number one driver here, which Mm -hmm. should not be the case. You're already doing really well. You want to stay feeling really good. And most importantly, you want your stress to stay under control. And that's not happening with these changes. So why even bother? Mm -hmm. All right. Patricia's got one for us. Hi, Sean. Please talk about the differences, if any, between weight gain and systemic inflammation and weight gain during peri and menopause. Thank you for all the great information you share. I love your podcast. 
I love this question so much because there actually is a big difference. And I think a lot of us can kind of even feel the difference when we have both going on. I know I have had inflammatory weight gain. I know, Kristen, that is something that you've dealt with in the past too. Mm -hmm. And it does feel very different than just gaining fat. Sure does. So the real difference is it is more so a feeling of water retention and bloat. And it looks that way too. I think when you have gained fat, it has a different texture and composition. Weight gain from inflammation is essentially water retention. And it feels that way. It feels more like a sense of puffiness or bloating. Also, when it's inflammatory weight, it distributes itself pretty evenly throughout the body, whereas when it is actual fat gain, it will kind of focus itself on key areas like the stomach or the hips, the butt, something like that. So there are a lot of differences involved, and even the way that you lose it is different too. Of course, healing your body will always be the case for both, but you will notice when you take out, say, inflammatory foods or a food sensitivity or heal your gut, something like that that's causing that inflammation, you will notice yourself just kind of deflate. It feels like you've been poked with a pin and all of a sudden you're just like this balloon that has been deflated. So those are some key differences, I would say. And then as far as the weight gain during perimenopause and menopause, again, I just talked about this in a previous question, but that weight is based on your hormonal changes that take place in every woman at that stage of their life. The adrenals will pick up the slack, hopefully, but they may not do so right away or in the quantity necessary to keep your hormones at a normal level. And so you may have some hormonal imbalance that you have to deal with, not to mention just what happens to your hormones in that time. And yes, that can cause weight gain. It does happen in a number of women, unfortunately. There are ways around it. There are ways to combat that. I've talked about that in several episodes prior about menopause. So you can go back and listen to those. But just know that it is a hormonal weight gain. And it's just based on your hormonal fluctuations. So once again, I'm just going to be that person that has to deliver the bad news. Someone's got to keep it real. I'll take that challenge. I can do it. I can handle it. Although I would say if I ever win the lotto, I would love to create an award, like a trophy for every woman on the planet okay just because just for being a woman because this is what we get yeah just for dealing with hormones yeah you get a prize exactly (laughs) all right we have one last question kim is up next final question how can i maintain my weight loss after reaching my goal weight without staying in ketosis Yeah, I really like this question too. And I actually think there are people in this category who have done a really good job of healing their bodies, use keto to do so. Things are balanced out. They've lost weight. They feel really good. They have fit into the clothes they want to fit into. So now what? And no, you don't have to remain keto, although of course you can if you want to. But what you do need to do is take everything you just learned, which hopefully you did approach keto in this way that is very nourishing to the body, that you've really learned to use your intuition and tap into that to determine what foods do and don't work for you in what quantities and all that good stuff. And then the cool part is that it becomes really easy to just eat intuitively, make sure you focus on eating real foods, eat 
eat a lot of the foods that work really well for your body. Keep the ones that don't work that well for your body at a minimum and go about life and enjoy life and just continue to feel good. It's so easy. Like it can be so easy. And I think that's the problem is that we have, again, this diet culture where it's like we work so hard to get to a place and then we get scared when we're actually there. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. gosh, now what do I do? I was like, what's that saying? It's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Yes, exactly. But it can be easy if you do take that simple approach. It will get easier and easier. It will become more and more like a habit to just use that intuitive sense. The only other thing I'll add to this is, yes, we're talking about food in this particular case, but if you truly want to maintain where you are at, not only with your current weight, but with your health status, which in my opinion is way more important because now we all know that as soon as something goes awry with our health, our weight starts going crazy too. I think we've all kind of been there or at least now know based on the stories we've heard. So keep your health in check too. Continue to monitor your health status, get your labs checked, Keep working on your stress relief. We all know that's one of the biggest triggers for this cascade of health events that happen when we aren't keeping our stress in check. So now you really can start focusing if you haven't already, which hopefully you have, focusing on that stuff and keeping everything in alignment for the long term. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm over here nodding my head. What I love about Kim's question is it really reiterates the importance of using whatever eating style, be it keto, Whole30, paleo, whatever, as um, like a behavior change tool or a template for cleaning up your diet and learning more about yourself and your body and how it works. And it's more of an awareness exercise that then becomes a gateway to a broader health or lifestyle overhaul. And because you're always going to reach that what next point. So it's like really important to think about, you know, how does what I'm learning along this journey apply to the bigger picture in the long term? Yeah. And the way that it does in this case and for everybody who's going through this process is now you have a much keener sense of when something's going awry in your body. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be able to notice anything that's changing, any sort of health issue or symptom that may be coming up. You're going to be able to notice that that much quicker and squash it that much quicker so it doesn't become a further issue, a further problem. You don't have to go on another crazy diet in order to get it back in check. Now you're just kind of living life. You're not really following any sort of eating plan, but the one that works for you, which is like the coolest thing ever. And that's now where both Kristen and myself are now at. And it's pretty nice on this side. It's really great. It feels good. You don't have to worry about anything, but eating what works best for your body and continuing to stay as healthy and happy as possible. Yeah, love it. It's so fun. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up again. Those were such great Mm -hmm. questions. I absolutely love this topic and addressing these things specifically going on with you guys. So of course, we're going to keep doing these episodes when we come back in the hundreds the episodes that are in the hundreds. Once those happen, we will continue to have these keto hot seat episodes that are specific to a topic. So be on the lookout on my Instagram and my Facebook for the call out for those questions. And we'll pick some good ones that we think will apply to many people and make sure to get through those. So I will be back next week with another topic for you. We'll see you then.